Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Meredith. My husband, Claude, and I are the lead pastors of this wonderful church. So good to see so many of you this morning. We just want to welcome everybody that's in the room and everybody joining us online. Um, we know that there are quite a few of you joining us online throughout the week. Um, unfortunately, many of our church family are um, in quarantine or have COVID at the moment. We know that that's happening within our community, but obviously it's happening to a lot of us at Centerway as well. And so for all of us in the room, would you just be praying for those people that are currently um, suffering with that? Obviously, that means their Christmases are greatly affected and such. And so, um, but just a big shout out to Adam and our production team for making it possible for people to gather online and to still engage the word of God that transforms all of our hearts, which we're so thankful for, especially in this season. I'm just going to talk through some information that hopefully gets us all on the same page today. Um, for those of you online, uh, much of what I say will probably be found on our website, um, and you can kind of connect with us that way. Um, for those of you that are guests in the room, welcome. We are so happy to see your faces. We know that uh, trying out a church is a little bit intimidating at times, and so whatever we can do to help make your experience better, we want to do that. Um, there's some ways that you can connect with us and us connect with you. First of all, if you'd love to share your information with us, we would love to have it. We're not going to stalk you. We just want to be able to follow up with you, get some feedback from you. We love feedback. We are a young mobile church. And um, so anything that we can do to continue to serve you better and make your experience here better, we want to do that. Um, so for any of you that want to just update your information or for those guests that want to share your information, there are info cards um, at the back table there. And there's some out at the info center out there that you can go ahead and do that, fill that out. You can put that in the offering box at the back um, if you want to do that. There's also ways on our on our website to give us your information so that we can follow up with you and just send you a note and welcome you. Um, you can also give your information on an app that we use. It's called the YouVersion app or the Bible app. You may be familiar with it. There's lots that you can do with that app. You can follow along with our gathering. You can take notes um, and you can also give on that app. If you are interested in giving a different way, if you feel compelled to do that, no pressure. Um, you can give in the back of the room or you can give online on our Give tab. Um, some other ways that you can connect us, with us throughout the week is through our wallpapers that we provide that have our application question on them, our social media, and you'll want to um, keep up with that throughout the holiday season, our Spotify playlist as well. And actually, I should probably go back to the, to the social media. We have just posted about our Christmas gathering. We've been emailing and all kinds of stuff about it, but just put a recent post. If you want to share that to your social media, that would be a great way to let your friends and family know. That's this Wednesday. I'll get to that in a second, but I kind of jumped ahead. We have a Spotify playlist with all these Christmas songs that we're doing and everything from this current wonder series. Um, we also have uh, devotionals that our team creates for Monday, Wednesday, Friday that you can either subscribe to or just find on our website. Lots of that can happen on the messages page and the next steps page. The next steps page also contains ways for you to take next steps. Pretty obvious, right? Uh, ways to continue growing, whether it's like baptism or becoming a centerway steward or any, uh, a whole host of different things. I'm sorry I'm rushing through this. We've had a very unique morning. We had some technical difficulties. <laughs> Setup was a little tricky. So I'm just going to calm down a second and just try to talk through this. Um, you guys all look super relaxed. I think it's just me. Is it just me? Because it's not you. You guys look good. Um, sorry about that. If you have questions, feedback, or you need prayer, the best way to connect with us is connect at centerwaychurch.com. That's our email. We will be checking that over the holidays. Um, and like I already mentioned, there's a number of people including some single individuals that have COVID right now. And so I don't know what Christmas looks like for them. And so if you need to reach out and if you need a way to connect or FaceTime or if you need a meal, something like that, um, we don't usually say that all from the front, but this is a unique season and holidays can be hard and we don't want it to be hard for anybody. We don't want you to feel isolated or alone. If there's anything that we can do, please, please, please reach out. That's what the church is all about, right? 
Um, so let me just wrap up with some reminders. Uh, like I already mentioned, got ahead of myself, this Wednesday, the 22nd, is our Christmas gathering. It's at Ganondigan. We are super excited for that. It does not matter to us if there are five people or 500 people. We know, again, lots of people are sick and all those things. But uh, for whoever of us can gather, it's going to be a beautiful time of worshiping together and singing and hearing a message. And our kids have a special song. Um, so we're so excited for that. And then one other quick reminder is the last Sunday of the year, December 26th, we will not be gathering. Uh, have fun, be with your family. The cool thing is you can connect with any of our messages online. If there's one maybe you missed from this series if, and you still want to kind of dedicate some time on that Sunday to do that, you can connect online. You will also be able to watch or rewatch our Christmas gathering. We're going to have that provided, so we're super excited about that. Um, but beyond that, here's what to expect for the rest of our gathering today. Um, Elise, one of our Centerway students, will be reading the scripture text for us. We love our Centerway students. This is their church. This is their opportunity to serve. We have one, uh, another serving with us um, in worship today, and so we're so excited about that. Claude will then be communicating from the Bible, and then we're going to respond to the word through song. So let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you sent Jesus for us, born to give us second birth, God. We thank you so much that you had this clear vision in mind to send Jesus as our rescue, and we get to celebrate that Every day, certainly, but especially at this time of the holiday season. And I just pray that everything that happens in this place will glorify the beautiful, mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. And you would take all the glory and all the praise. And I just pray that you really would be with people that are suffering right now or isolated right now or struggling in whatever way, that you would meet them, that you would be God with us, Emmanuel, and that they would really sense your presence in a special way for those online and in person in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, my name is Elise, and I will be reading the text for this afternoon. You can feel free to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 98, verses 7 through 9, or you can simply follow along through the YouVersion app or by looking up on the, on the screens. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Wonder. We've all felt it, and we feel it in many ways. We feel it when we're young. We feel it when we're old. We feel it when we're curious about something. We feel it when we see something amazing. We even feel it when we're worried. There's an endless source of wonder in our lives. Defined, wonder means to be surprised and filled with admiration because of something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or even inexplicable. I began learning to follow Jesus about six years ago, and there was this moment early on in my journey when I realized just how different God's love is compared to anything else I had ever known. I took pride in being successful on my own and not needing anyone's help. But in that moment, as I reflected on my life, my career, even my family and my home, my heart awakened to the gifts from God in my life. What I thought I had achieved on my own was instead a revelation of His goodness. In hindsight, I stand amazed 
at God's hand on my life. Not luck, not my own efforts. For this, I question God. Why would he help me before I even believed? Why pursue a person who is using all he gave her in selfish ways? But he rules the world with truth and grace. Grace, unmerited favor. This kind of love isn't fair or deserved. Seeing God's love in this new light stirred up a wonder in me like I had never felt before. God's love is beautiful. It's unexpected, it's unfamiliar, and it's truly inexplicable. Realizing just how empty-handed I am and the gift of Jesus to me and to the world, I stand in awe of the wonders of his love. gifted group of people they call Centerway home. Um, grateful for um, that writing and uh, not only Alicia's willingness to, to write it, but to share it. It's a great. And um, in line with obviously today's message as we continue in our Advent series, um, our Advent series is Wonder, and this is the fourth and final week of the series. Today's message is entitled Fairness. And uh, as we conclude this Advent series, we are going to, in the Christmas gathering, we're going to do a standalone um, message. So excited about that. And it has already been mentioned. Hopefully you're able to join us, but it will be a, a standalone message for that night. Um, I want to kind of start things off by sharing a little bit of a story. I, I played um, soccer in college, and we were playing um, an, NA, an NAIA team, and we were playing in Pennsylvania, and I remember it very specifically. In fact, it's kind of funny. This guy, the story I'm going to share about, has actually worked his way into just about every teaching moment that I've had with my children <laughs> um, for no other reason except his ridiculous name. Uh, so his name is Gunther. And so <laughs> here are my kids kind of chuckle. Um, Gunther was a, a German nationalist, and he was brought into the country for the purpose of being able to play soccer, uh, you know, on this team in part, for sure. And um, he did not have the ability to speak English. We only played that team twice, but Gunther made a mark on me. Um, he, was, uh, he was ginormous. Um, he probably should be playing professional soccer somewhere. I'm not sure why it was even fair for him to be there. His... Uh, quadriceps were about the size of my upper body and um, he did not speak English and he had a coach who spoke only well who spoke German and English and so he would turn to the coach of the team and the coach of the team would like yell something to him and then he'd run down the sidelines and in German would be like Gunther Gunther I know I'm butchering whatever I have no idea how to speak German so in either case he would just shout out this guttural powerful language and Gunther would stand there like shaking his head and I'm like I think he's telling him to kill you I think that's what he's saying he's saying he's going to kill you and so um yeah Gunther was a sight to behold, and he was a beast. And um, so he was yelling out some direction, and Gunther came running down and um, past our midfield and was one-on-one -on -one with our defender and went right along the back uh, towards the goalie. And so he's one-on-one -on -one with our defender, and the goalie's standing behind him. And, th and then this moment kind of happens. Was that my fault? I don't know. We'll find out. If it happens again, it's somebody else's fault. Um, the, it was Gunther. Uh, Anyway, uh, so in either case, he, um, 
he was running along the uh, the field, and as he's one on one with our defender, with the goalie standing behind him, uh, something amazing kind of happens. He steps out of bounds. Um, the ball goes out of bounds. If you understand soccer at all, you can be out of bounds. But if the ball stays in, you're still landing. So the ball rolls over, and clearly, like there is like a foot of grass between the line and the ball. And the linesman is standing like right there. And so Gunther kind of stops. And so when he stops, our defender kind of stops and turns around and signals to our goalie that it's going to be a goalie kick. So he starts giving direction on where he wants the goalie kick to direct, where he wants the goalie to direct the kick. And so he's talking to the goalie. And as he's doing that, there's no whistle. And so there's this moment of like just rookie stupidity at this level like we're playing in college you should know you play the whistle not the ball but Gunther stopped running and so our defender turns around starts speaking to the goalie and just as he does Gunther just bursts into motion again and like a freight train straight from German Hades he runs past the defender and the goalie's kind of shaken like wait what's going on and he just kicks it into the goal and we're like wait What's going on? And so they signal for a goal, and that's it. He scored. We're like, what? That's not fair. The defender's like freaking out. He's like, he stopped. He knew it was out. And so a rookie mistake, right? Like we should know better at that level. The question I want to ask you as we jump into the text and the message today is this. What does fairness look like? What does fairness look like? Now, at face value, it's a rather easy question, right? Fairness is when something is decided without being partial, Right? Something that's impartial is fair. If you're not partial to either side, then that's fairness. And in most cases, most of us are fine with fairness on that level, defined that way. The problem is when we have a desired outcome, right? When we have a desired outcome, then there's kind of more skin in the game, if you will. Now, I know that we're all wired differently here, and uh, there's some tension probably happening in some of you that are like uber rule followers, like, no, fairness is fair. Like, that's what fair is. Some of us who are otherwise sane individuals legitimately lose their ever-loving minds when things go unfairly against them or their kids, right? To those people, it's only fair if a decision or a call or a moment is in some way reversed once clarity is brought. Like we just want fair. We want justice. My defender that day went from sane college student to insane lunatic, like just losing his mind. He was out of bounds. I stopped because he was out of bounds. Like he was screaming and yelling, veins sticking out of his neck, just losing his mind. We're like, dude, play the whistle. Like you got to play the whistle. He's like, that's ridiculous. He stopped running. He was furious. He wanted justice. He wanted things to be made right. For some of us, nothing is fair if you're losing. If you're losing, nothing is fair about this moment. (laughs) You know these people, right? If you're like, no, I don't know anybody like that you're probably that person. (laughs) And you know if you're that person because people just don't want to play with you. Anything. Like, hey, dad, want to play spoons? Just kidding. You're a lunatic, right? Like, if you're losing, it's just not fair. People are extreme that way. Some of us in the room don't care if we're winning. It's not about winning or losing. If a call was made against us unfairly, we need to simply voice that. And I know that there's some people that are kind of chill in the room. They're like, listen, I'm not the screaming lunatic, and I'm also the person that's fine losing. But 
everybody within us at least have this innate need to kind of voice that something has been unfairly done. I love going to sporting events and just watching like people can't help it. They're like, you know, I mean, you know, he was out, right? I'm just saying like, that was ridiculous, wasn't it? You know, like just this whispering of, I need to at least voice the fact that this was unfair, that something unfair has happened. No matter where you fall on that spectrum from screaming crazy person to no matter what, you have to win all the way to the person that just kind of whispers that something is unfair or thinks it in their heart or mind. No matter where you fall, a majority of those of us, I'm sorry, where you fall on that spectrum, a majority of those that I have watched fall into one common category of fairness. This is it. As humans, we rarely, if ever, if ever, voice when something unfairly goes in our favor. As humans, we rarely, if ever, voice when something unfairly goes in our favor. When was the last time you watched a professional game come to a screeching halt and somebody be like, no, 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 I was out. It's not a touchdown right? Like that doesn't happen. It absolutely doesn't happen. Gunther wasn't like, you know, speaking in German to his coach and be like, hey, just to be fair, I was out of bounds. Like that didn't happen. All right. We don't do that. We just simply don't voice when something unfairly goes in our favor. We just enjoy the benefits of that moment. Outrage when we're victims of unfairness and silence when we're beneficiaries of unfairness. Isn't that interesting? And don't worry, you're not alone on that. It's a human condition. This moment of silence, this pause of like, well, I mean, you know, it's not my fault. (laughs) The ref made the call. (laughs) We're one. (laughs) You know, I have uh, an example of this. We were... um, we're, we had the opportunity actually yesterday to go and watch my son play basketball and uh, he's on the rec league in Victor and there were actually three boys uh, from Centerway that were playing against each other in this game and uh, we're standing there and if you've been a part of rec leagues, um, you know, the refs are doing the best they can, we think. Um, <laughs> It's just this hot mess of like, you know, you know, now that's a foul, but a second ago it wasn't a foul. And that's a travel, even though that dude grabbed the ball and just ran down the court the other second. You know, so there's just this inconsistency. And you can just see the tension in adults as they're watching like their kids be unfairly treated. It's like you can, you can see it boiling over. And, and it's just this immense amount of, of tension all wrapped around this idea of silence. And there was a family that was behind us that are rather vocal, much to my entertainment. I mean, I, I just love it. I don't know what my problem is, but when people absolutely lose their mind, I just want to pop some popcorn and be like, you are incredible. And so they're just, they're freaking out. I'm like, dude, your kid can't dribble. Like, it's okay. Just, just enjoy. Let them go nuts. Like, I think his shorts are falling down. Like, let's just play the game, you know? And they're acting like he's about to be, you know, drafted by the NBA. They're going to take the first nine-year-old in history. And, uh, you know, we got other kids that just watch way too many sports games and they're pulling on their jerseys and, you know, point at their name. Like, dude, you missed seven free throws. Like, now you're pointing to your jersey because you accidentally made a layup. Anyway, the point is this. There's this terrible call made in favor of, of the child of the person behind us for the first time. I mean, up until this moment, everything has gone against his child. And so finally, against all odds, something goes in his favor and it's an unfair call in his favor. 
And what does he say? He goes, well, it's, a, it's about time you made up for at least one. What? So when an unfair call is made in your favor, they're making up for the deficit of unfairness the other way. You see what I mean? Like we rationalize all of this. And I know that I'm using sports heavy illustrations, but it really, it, it leaches into every aspect of our life. Whether your, your kid wasn't selected for, forget about sports, selected for a drama or asked into a specific college or if they were given the opportunity to get that promotion or if you were bypassed. I mean, obviously all of this is just a big conspiracy. It's, it's absolutely unfair. That's the problem is everything's unfair until something goes our way and then it makes perfect sense. But it's only one good thing against an entire things of unfairness. And so we'll take what we can get, but it's often, you know, functioning in deficit. So what does fairness look like? I want to submit to you that most of us would agree that if something is going our way, it seems fair to us. It seems fair to us. If something's going our way, it seems fair to us. Now, we don't want to say that. We don't want to say that, the good citizen, the better sportsman and all that. We want to be like, well, no, I mean, I would probably be the first person in major league history to be like, hey, I I know you think I tagged that guy, but he was safe. (laughs) The fact is, if things are going our way, it seems pretty fair to us. Fairness looks like things going the way we want them to. But here's a spoiler alert. Things don't always go our way. (sighs) Shocker, right? Things don't always go our way. And so it only stands to reason that with that logic, at times we've even doubted God's fairness. God, what are you doing? This isn't fair. Like, God, are you against me right now? I mean, clearly it shouldn't be going this way. This is not fair. And as you'll see, this tension, this idea is what today's text is about. Maybe not at face value, but you'll see by the end that this tension is what this text is about, this idea of fairness. Verses seven through nine, as it was already read, go like this. Let the sea roar and all that fills it the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now last week, if you were with us, we talked about our life song. And here we see all of nature joining in song, joining in song. And get this, all of creation rejoices at God's justice his fairness in judging the world. All of creation is rejoicing because of God's fairness in judging the world. I love to, uh, to watch courtroom accounts. This is a recent development of mine, uh, mostly and ironically, well, maybe not ironically, bizarrely, spurred on by um, ESPN's 30 for 30 and E60, because they do like these courtroom updates of athletes and different things. And I'm like, whoa, this is super intriguing. So I don't mean like kind of the fake drama stuff or like the Judge Judy things or anything like that. I mean like actual courtroom accounts, like courtroom proceedings where there's a burden of proof. And, you know, I'm moved by this more than I ever anticipated where people are arguing for justice, but they're arguing for justice in some cases where they know they're guilty, isn't that interesting? Like they're, they're pushing for this idea of fairness in their favor. I'm moved when people who were wrongly accused experience justice and they're set free. People that were imprisoned for years 
I'm enamored by that. All of a sudden they're set free and they rejoice and they're overcome with joy and there's tears and shouting in the courtroom, people jumping up and down. Like I'm amazed when a wrong has been made right. But you know who I've never seen rejoice? I've never seen people rejoice when they're found guilty. I've never seen people turn around and be like, what, what, say it again? Like I'm getting 10 to 20? Oh my gosh, high five, that's awesome. I'm gonna get what I deserve. Justice has been served. Hey, jury, bravo. I mean, I was trying to sneak one past you, but clearly I deserve life in prison and you got me. I mean, wow. It doesn't happen. It does not happen. Don't get me wrong, it would be amazing if it did. But it does not happen. You see, when justice is served, the thing they question is fairness. That's immediately where they jump. And that's why we have a system called an appeal process. It's an appeal process because they want to appeal the fairness of the court proceedings. Was it fair? Was it not fair? They appeal. They have an opportunity to, to basically say, listen, what happened was not fair. And so I want to submit to you at the very least, we are okay with fairness when it's in our favor. At the very least, we're okay with fairness when it's in our favor, when our desired justice is served. That's why people have a problem with the gospel. That's why people have the problem with the gospel because if we're honest, we know, we know the depravity of ourselves. Like we know what we put out in front of people, but we also know like kind of what we're not putting in front of people. The thing that's behind the scenes. The thing that, that not everybody sees. We're, uh, if we're really, really honest, we know that we are sinners. That we're guilty. That ultimately, we're guilty of the sin of our lives. And so fairness means we bear the penalty of our sin. If we're honest with the reality of our nature to be sinners and the brokenness of our own heart and mind and our selfishness and all the things that we like to push down in civilized society, if we come to grips with that, we realize that we're guilty and fairness means we bear the penalty of our sins. So listen, we deserve hell. We deserve hell. Merry Christmas. Aren't you glad you came to center away? Like, ooh, ho, 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 jingle bells. We deserve hell. It's not fun. It's no more fun than getting a sentence that we deserve, right? We don't rejoice over that, so why should we have joy? Why should we have joy? If we look closely at this text, you'll notice that verses seven and eight start with the word let. They start with the word let. Now, the Hebrew there is, um, it's kind of um, a version of an imperative or an, a version of a command. So uh, if you've heard us talk for any amount of time, we talk about this idea of a command tense when a word is in a tense where it's specifically making a command. And typically that's in relation to the reader. So the reader's being commanded to do something. But now in, in this section with these two verses, we don't see an imperative. We see a version of a command that's actually called the justive command. Jussive. Now, it's a Jussive tense, and don't worry, I'm not going to do like a Hebrew class, but I'm going to explain a little bit that it's, it's third-person imperfect Jussive. Now, what that means is this. The easiest way to explain is that it's a version of a command, but it's a mood. Hebrew communicates sometimes in a mood tense. So it's a mood that expresses desire and intention with a command umbrella. So, 
I'll illustrate because that's probably better to understand without giving you a mini class. <laughs> in Genesis, we see that God said, let there be light. Let. One more time. And that's in the justive imperfect tense. So we see in Genesis where God says, let there be light. And light was basically commanded into existence. See? So light that did not exist was commanded into existence because of the intention and the desire expressed by God himself. So listen, nature and all creation is worshiping the Lord because they were created with that intention. That's what it's saying. That we're told in scripture, you see, because when we, when we think about the implications of that, we start to read text maybe a little bit differently. We start to look that in scripture, it says that if we will not worship the Lord, that the rocks will cry out, right? That if we actually withhold our worship, that creation will worship the Lord because they were created with that intention. They have no other choice. But we as humans, we have a choice. And as wicked as we are, we will sometimes withhold our worship or more often than not, redirect our worship to idols, to things that we want to put above God, the intentions of our heart, the wickedness of our desires. And so we actually wrestle with who gets our worship, what is worthy of our praise. And we're actually told in scripture that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. So what does that mean? It means that as much as all of creation will shout out and the rocks will worship and the creation will worship the Lord, that someday, even with our unwillingness to worship the Lord, that when we are one-on-one with God, we will bow and we will declare him Lord. Why? Because we were created with that intent. We are created to worship the Lord. Why? Why would we we sing with joy? Why would we sing with joy? Because, because of verse nine, verse nine says, before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. So we will actually worship the Lord that because he will judge the earth, because he will judge the earth, all of creation is rejoicing. All of creation is rejoicing at his justice. Why? Because he will judge the world with righteousness. And in Hebrew, this word for righteousness actually means with accuracy. So for those of you that are like really amped up on like, I just want it to be accurate. God will judge the world with accuracy. Finally, finally, all the injustices, all the bad coaching, all the terrible referees, all of that, finally, God will make right. We will finally be able to have accuracy in judgment. But then it goes on, it says, and the peoples, humans, with equity, which in Hebrew means fairly, with fairness, literally means humans will get what they deserve. Wait, what? Hold on a second. I I like the accuracy thing. I like when rights have been made wrong. I like when everybody gets to see what it is that I knew all along and I get to say, but I told you so. I don't like the idea where I get what I deserve because what we deserve is hell. We deserve hell and that's fair. That's fair. But, but what if? What if one without sin would step into time? 
What if God himself arrived, fully God and fully man, and arrived as a baby and lived the perfect sinless life that you and I never could and then died the death that we deserve, that we deserve, that our sin has earned in order to conquer sin and death? Gosh, that wouldn't be fair. That wouldn't be fair, would it? For him to die a death that he doesn't deserve? You see, the beauty of the gospel is that it's unfair. The beauty of the gospel is the scandal of the gospel, that it is inherently unfair. And so quickly we shake our fist at God and say, but you're not fair. This isn't coming my way. And God's like, oh my gosh, what? What? Are you serious? Listen, Jesus took what he didn't deserve so we could walk in what only he deserves. That's grace. That's what grace is, unmerited favor. It's getting what we don't deserve. And that should fill us with gratitude. That should fill us with joy, regardless of the situations and circumstances of our life right now, things going our way or not. There is this bigger meta-narrative that is playing out before us beautifully. This, This truth of the gospel that runs the length of time where we should be overfilled with joy. Like, I can't believe that I was headed for hell and Jesus intervened. That's the story of Christmas. We have experienced the grace of God in our lives. Creation cannot be silent. Creation cannot be silent. It literally says the the rivers clap their hands. And all that that means is literally that the open palm of a hand clapping. So what it's talking about is just a river lapping, is singing praise to the Lord. That all around us, the Lord is being worshiped by creation. They can't stay silent. Neither should we. That joy should be shared. And so our salvation should move us to mission. It's not to conjure up something where we say, let's go share our faith. Welcome to church. Check the box. No, it's about understanding the depths and the truth of salvation, that the joy overflows and and we can't help but be moved to mission. We've been awarded so much grace and mercy. How could we withhold that from the people around us? So I want to challenge you to apply the text today and consider this question. I want you to leave this place asking yourself, or even as we continue on in the quietness of your mind, how will I use my platform to share my story this season? How will I use my platform to share my story this season? What does it look like to walk in the unfairness of the gospel to the point that it moves us to mission? And sometimes we think we have to have all the answers before we can talk about what it is that God has done in our lives. That we, have to, that we have to understand all the details, all of the theological questions that might be asked, but nobody can argue your story. Nobody can argue your story. And if you've experienced something of truth, something of grace, something of mercy, why wouldn't you share that to people that are, that are broken, that are searching for joy? If you have joy in your life, why wouldn't you communicate how that's possible? So I want, if we could just to bow our heads and you can leave your eyes open if you want. I just, I don't want you to be distracted as the worship team makes their way forward because we're gonna respond in worship in just a moment. But I wanna ask you to consider some things as we think about this idea of our platform. With your head bowed and your eyes open or closed, it doesn't matter, just without distraction.
I want you to consider if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if maybe for the first time you've succinctly heard what the gospel even is, like, wait a second, Jesus did that for me? If that's you today, then, then maybe your application of considering how to share your story is to begin your story, to simply ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life. And we're not here to manipulate anybody or to cause somebody to make a decision they're not ready to do, but we want to provide space that if you're in the room or listening or watching online, that you just have opportunity to pray a prayer. And it's not, uh, it's not a specific one with special words. It's just simply acknowledging that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins. So a simple prayer, Lord, I know you died for my sins and I pray you'd forgive me. Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. In the quietness of wherever you find yourself right now, you can pray that prayer. And if you're here today and you prayed that prayer, you want to begin a relationship with God, I'd love to talk to you following this gathering, whether it's a next step or something that we can just explain further. I'd love that conversation if you're comfortable. If not, and you're, you're watching online or later, listening later on in the week, reach out to us, email through our website. We'd love to walk alongside you so it's not a momentary decision. For others of us that have maybe crossed that line of faith and we have a story or we're processing the fact that we have a story when we thought all along that maybe we don't have a story. Maybe it's as simple as an invite to the Christmas gathering. And this isn't about Centerway or growing Centerway. It's, it's about offering an opportunity for people to experience something of joy and peace in this season. True, true joy and true peace. And so maybe it means an invitation to just say, hey, why don't you just come out to this gathering? Maybe it can be that easy to utilize your platform to share your story. But maybe it means sharing your story of God's grace, the joy that you've experienced. I, I think in very simple ways, we watched over these past four weeks, different people share their story via video. Most recently, Alicia today to just talk about a piece of her story and how it is that she leaned into the joy of the Lord and realized the unfairness of the gospel and the grace that we can walk in. That's what people want. They just want to know where it is that you find your joy. So maybe it means missionally having a conversation, checking in with people to make sure they're not alone in the season, offering to make a meal, and just let them know, listen, I, I used to feel like I was alone too. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I just want you to consider how will you use your platform to share your story this season if you have really experienced the joy of your salvation. So as we consider the implications of that, I want to just lead us in a prayer before we begin responding to the Lord in worship. Heavenly Father, come before you today and we pray that you would show us your faithfulness, that we would see in very clear ways how you've been leading us all along, how your presence has never less left us or forsaken us, that even our darkest of moments, you were still present. You were putting people strategically in our path. Lord, that we would have our hearts and minds awakened by the reality of the unfairness and beauty of the gospel that you have extended towards us and that that would awaken our hearts and minds, that we would be filled with wonder, that we would be overflowing with joy, that we'd have no choice but to share the amazing story of your grace and mercy. 
And so we simply declare ourselves available and we join with all creation now, worshiping you. Father, we don't want the the lakes and the rivers and the streams and the rocks to cry out louder than us because we have known and tasted the depravity of our own soul and have experienced the freedom of the grace and mercy that you extend. And because of that, we will worship you in spirit and in truth. Let's worship together the Lord. Would you stand? There's lots of ways to worship, but right now we get to worship through song together. So let's not withhold our worship. Let's express it to God.
it's just a song about praising God no matter what the circumstances are in our life. And it goes right along with the message that we will not withhold nor redirect, redirect our worship no matter what the situations are in our life. We also feel it's pretty appropriate to be singing this song on the last Sunday that we're gathering in this year, that this would just be the mark of who we are as people and as a church family. On the mountains and in the valleys, we're just going to praise Him.
find you today, a God who is not hard to find, a God who is Emmanuel with us in this moment, and not just in this moment as we're gathered corporately, but in moments that we are alone, that we call on your name and you're with us. Would you help us this week to not withhold our praise and certainly not to redirect our praise to any lesser thing than you, Jesus? Help us, I pray, to always give you praise, to share our story, a story of redemption, the good news of what you've done in our lives and what you have provided for the world. We're so thankful, Father. We give you praise. Well, we're going to keep singing that song if anybody would like to stay here and worship and just offer your praise to God through a song. Remember, there are lots of ways to work, of ways to worship all throughout the week. Um, we're so thankful to see your faces today. Stay healthy. We hope to see you on Wednesday, the 22nd. If you want to take any next steps, if you need prayer or anything, uh, we're here for you. We're available, but you're officially dismissed, and we're just going to